You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. Now, today's episode is part two of Squad Goals. We're tackling what it means to practice community for real. So we dive deep into three truths about community. And if you're looking for your squad, we got the rhythms you need to know about to be sure you're in a healthy one. So you ready? Let's work. how y'all feeling? Brothers, y'all all right? Yes, yes, y'all. We are here for another day's journey and the Lord is still good. It is Passion Week. Some may also refer to it as Holy Week. Either way, it's a pretty big deal. The culmination of this week would be Easter or some would say Resurrection Sunday. And it is the reason why we can be a people who live with a hope that will never make us ashamed. But before we skip to the celebration and the victory of it, I think it's crucial that we sit with the experiences leading to triumph. Like what did Jesus do the days before he died? Now, scripture lets us know the answer to this question, and I'm going to do my best to make a couple of posts each day starting today. So that would be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to outline what those passages are. Maybe that would be fun for us to do. We can read them together and really make the text come alive by reading from the perspective of different characters within each story. So we'll put it like this. Sure, Palm Sunday was victorious, but let's imagine the high that the disciples are on because the man that they've been following for three years is being publicly affirmed as king, right? So you have this moment, Palm Sunday, Hosanna, this great powerful moment. But then let's take on Monday when he's Jesus is cleansing the temple. What would it be like if you were one of the vendors in the temple or even one of the customers seeing Jesus drive out corruption on your behalf? Now, on Tuesday, imagine being in the crowd watching the chief priests and the scribes try to challenge Jesus and the boss response he gives to them in Luke 20. That is just worth reading. I read it the other day and I had to laugh hard because Jesus is nobody to play with. Now, Spy Wednesday, it was given its name because that's the night when Judas goes to the religious leaders set to plot his betrayal of Jesus. I mean, the wickedness. Come on. But then Maundy or Holy Thursday, now that's a day a lot of churches will set aside to include foot washing within their service. This is a way to remember what Jesus did in John 13, one of my all-time favorite passages in the gospel. And of course, we have the agony, uncertainty, and seeming defeat of Good Friday. His seven last words, if you've ever been to a seven last words service where you have preachers who each, you know, preach one of the words that Jesus said while he's on the cross, it is electrifying. I'll put it that way. Then you have the massive uncertainty of Holy Saturday, followed by the eyewitness accounts of his glorious resurrection and victory over sin, death, and the grave on what we call Easter Sunday. Fam, what a time. It is whether you go to a high church or a casual church, it matters not. The biggest thing is this is so crucial for followers of Jesus. So it's a time to celebrate, to reflect, to remember, and to be grateful for what love really looks like in action. Anyway, I just had to pause and take a second to talk about the week because that's how much it matters to me. (laughs) 
we like to do, let's review. Now, I gave a full review of the overall season in the last episode. So if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that one, it is worth your time and it will provide a greater connection for today's episode. But this recap is just for the content of last week because that was part one of Squad Goals. This is part two. Just know this, all season, we practice in spiritual disciplines over here to enrich our lives by being, doing, and loving more like Jesus. Now, last week, we discussed the importance of practicing community. Being with each other helps us to be more like Jesus. Contrary to popular rhetoric, no one grows alone. We need people and not just people we like or people who are just like us. We need a community of believers, diverse in all the ways we can express diversity to learn from, heal with, deal with, confess to and share our lives. Now, before I get ahead of myself, because I just kind of shared a few of the community rhythms already, I can't not acknowledge the stats on loneliness we discovered last week. Yes, that was another double negative. Fam, it's one thing to hear or have an idea that people are going through. It's another thing entirely to see the stats that say stuff like almost half of the U.S. population are experiencing feelings of loneliness or feeling left out. It got so real to me that almost closing out the episode, I asked everyone who was willing to join me in prayer last week just to pray, to pray for our neighbors our friends, family members, or even ourselves, any one of us who may be experiencing loneliness. And I want to thank everyone who joined. We got really great feedback on the episode and we got really strong prayers of the righteous. That's what avails much. Now, one of the stats I found is that Gen Z is the loneliest generation with millennials following close behind. This is mind boggling to me because it's our generations that are the most tech savvy and seemingly interconnected than any previous generation before us. But perhaps the data is letting us know that true connection is more than double taps, emoji filled comments and hopping into DMs. Perhaps the data affirms the Psalms that explain how good and pleasant it is for people to live together in unity which to me is the best definition for community that I've heard. Shout out to Psalm 133. Because being with people matters. Living together harmoniously. Different calls, different talents, different pain points, different upbringings and experiences, all finding a way to worship the same God and love one another with a joy that goes beyond words, it's unspeakable, and a peace that goes beyond understanding. Now, I promise, I promise I'm not describing a fantasy because this description is a result of selfless, messy, consistent work. Yet, this is the standard we've been given by God. And we know that whenever God gives a vision, he provides the grace to execute it. So we know it's not impossible. But now that my recap is complete, here are three things that community is. Three truths about community coming at you. Number one, community is scary, but it's the best way to grow. There's this part about community that's simply terrifying. Let's just be honest. It's this. We share parts of ourselves, including the not so glamorous parts. Now, we can stunt on social media all day, but the people who live with you, the people who work with and worship with you, they know better. 
Now, there may be some apprehension about sharing space with people in such intimate settings, and that is completely understandable. It's okay to be hesitant and take your time to ensure that the community you choose to be a part of is safe, especially with the high levels of dysfunction being exposed in churches and organizations worldwide. But what we not going to do is use the dysfunction of others to keep us from wholeness ourselves. Fam, nah. There comes a point where we've got to take the risk and be vulnerable with the right people. Here's my quick testimony. It works. I had a new friend who came into my life. We got along, but we didn't really know each other well. So after a few meetups and chats, I took a risk. I opened up and I said, hey, friend, here's a vulnerability of mine. And she responded in kind. Now, we've been friends and often prayer partners ever since. Now, hear me, this is not an infomercial. Not every interaction will be like this. And even with the good ones, there are plenty of awkward moments to overcome. I'm sure we've all also had the opposite happen. You meet someone you think you'll get along with. You take the risk and after a big fight or a fallout, your business is on front street for all of us to see. Now, despite the damage, though, the truth remains. If you want a full life that leads to growth, You gotta have people in it, period. Number two, community is hard and sometimes messy. See, Jesus and the writers of the New Testament, they have this common understanding and you'll find it all throughout the text. It's this, we are expected to be in community and that's not always easy. There's going to be mess. Tim Keller sums it up perfectly when he writes this. Relationships are messy because people are messy. Expect messiness. Well, true. Thank you, Dr. Keller. Jesus legit gives us a heads up when he says this in the Gospels. Offenses will come. Fam, he's not ambiguous. He doesn't leave room for it to be a possibility. He said, expect to be bothered, annoyed, irritated, and insulted. So, so then... Isn't it a tad ridiculous when we live in community, get offended and find ourselves shocked by it all? Remember, man, people are messy. You are messy. I am messy. It's that sin nature at work, my friend. So Jesus loves us enough, though, to help us shed our high holier than thou expectations that we have of others so that we can learn to love well. Yo, to me, it's wild the way human nature works, right? Like often we place standards on people we don't even require of ourselves all the time. It's like going to a hospital and getting mad at the patients for being sick. I've heard it said this way. When it comes to our wrongs, we are our best defense attorneys. But when it's our neighbor's turn, we are prosecutor, judge, and jury. But see, practicing community allows us to build and be around people of varying levels of social status, economic background, hopefully race and ethnicity, and especially spiritual maturity. After all, here's the thing. I don't care how charismatic the movement, how powerful the prayers, or even how accurate the prophecy. We are only as spiritually mature as we are emotionally healthy. That's all period and the word of God. <laughs> Shout out to Pete Scazzaro. Thank you for your work on this, sir. Now, let me run over to number three, because I feel a rant coming up about all these talented yet high key immature leaders and movements that we've got running rampant all around. But that's not expedient. So I'm going to hush. Number three, community is opportunity. Fam, people matter. All people are significant. 
all people, all, did I say all, all people are loved. Now we can see this by studying what Jesus did. It's what he valued and modeled. This type of radical love and action is what helped to turn the world upside down in the first place. So peep not just how, but who he chose to be his disciples. People from all walks of life, sometimes even opposing parts of life. I was listening to a talk on this and it was sharing the backgrounds of two of his disciples. And yo, listen, I had no clue. Now, I don't have time to story time this story time. <laughs> I can't do that, but I, I really wish I could. But when you get the chance, hop over to Matthew 10 real quick and look at the 12 disciples. Only two of them have their given titles, what they do, have that explained, right? So we have Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector. Okay, cool. But but wait, slow down a second. Don't rush over that part. They were What? Yeah, one worked for the Roman government, right? Despised by his own people. Hey, Maddie, that's that's you over there, the tax collector. The other worked against government and was a part of a mission that existed to overthrow Roman rule. Hey, Simi, looking, looking at you over there, the zealot. So Jesus takes two people with completely opposing ideologies, like their entire way of life and thinking was in direct opposition of each other. He says to them both, follow me. Jesus, what? <laughs> like, what, what you mean? Could you imagine today what that would be like? A member of the KKK and a Black Lives Matters leader being picked by Jesus to serve alongside each other for the sake of kingdom expansion? I'm going to put it another way because this was very popular when I was growing up. Nas after he dropped Ether and Jay-Z after he dropped Super Ugly being chosen to work on the same mission, be a part of the same team. Fam, like when it first happened, I think we talked about Ether for months. Anyway, here's the point. We don't even have to go (laughs) that far. Just picture the person in your local church or even at your job, that gets on your very, 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 very last nerve. I know you know the one I'm talking about. You might even have them in your mind right now, right now. Yes, that one, that's who you're called to be in community with, to love and be loved by, to learn from, to share and live amongst. Fam, this is not a hallmark special. I'm not I'm not talking, you know, all cutesy roses and all that other stuff. This is the embodiment of the gospel. Now, I know some of us see it as cruel and unnecessary. Others may hide behind the pressure to live up to this standard. Oh, this is it's so hard. I can't do it. It's too much pressure to live right. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. There's no pressure in the kingdom. Only grace. Grace to do his will, not reject it. So the best part is this. There's no expectation for an overnight automatic wake up and all of a sudden you're a love bug kind of change. None of this can be done without Jesus. But as a follower of him who is, you should be able to look back over your life and see the miracle of the mindset shift towards our neighbors and even our enemies. Yes, that one. Because this, friends, this is the evidence of grace at work in our lives. Now, those were my three truths about community. 
And there's those are the truths that I really want you to chew on and take your time with. But I got a little bit more for you before we close out the show. I'm going to sneak it in real fast. I'm going to move through them. These are the seven rhythms that are the building blocks you need to help grow community. So if you find yourself going, okay, son, I get it. I agree. I ain't got no problems. But how do we start? What does community really look like, especially in a digital age? What are the components of community? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad. Here's what they are. Seven rhythms. I'm going through them briefly. Here's number one. Celebration. No matter what's going on, there's always good news. There's always a reason to celebrate. So can you celebrate? Here's the question. Can you celebrate and be celebrated by those within your community? Number two, bearing burdens. This is a big one. With everything that's going on, all of the chaos, all of the grief, um, these are heavy, heavy times. Are there people in your life that you can share your stuff with? And then the next question you have to ask is, can people share their stuff with you and know that you're there to support them, not to fix them, not to solve the problem, but just be there with them? Okay, number three. This is a heavy one. Confession of sin. Now, this is a more complex practice of invitation, not force. It's highly valuable, but it's not something where you get in a big old group and say, okay, Tyrone, let's let's tell what you was doing last summer. Let's say what you was doing last night. This is not that. If you decide to do it, stay in a smaller group, maybe two to four. And if you're comfortable, you can share and then people can share with you. James admonishes us to confess our sins one to another. Now, hear me. I'm not saying share your deepest and darkest with new folk in your community. But here's what I am asking. Will you resist the urge to isolate and share yourself with a select few? Also, here's the other question. Are you a source of safety and support for others in their own confessions? Can you be a healthy vault or does someone's turmoil become your subliminal social media fodder? Say la sugar. Think about that. Number four, hospitality. If I could use another word for it, it would be this open, open your heart and your home. Now, I know the times that we're in make it challenging, so you may not be able to open your home just yet, but whatever space you're willing to share, maybe it's opening up your phone, meaning you're reaching out and calling people regularly. One of my daily habits of joy, I'll talk about that later on in this season, is encouraging a friend. Every day, reaching out to someone and just talking to them, sharing, encouraging, Open. That's what hospitality is. Befriending with your neighbors. Befriend someone with God's kindness. Number five, eating together. Now, this one is similar to hospitality. However, it implies consistent frequency. So the question is, who is regularly welcome to your table and who do you dine with? Who gets to dine with you? Now, this is not just a girl's night out or a man only Monday, man cave money kind of thing. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Those are they're needed. (laughs) Just put it that way. It's needed. But this kind of eating together, it implies communion. So the question is, can we break bread together, enjoy one another's company while reflecting on the goodness of this great gospel? Can we do that? Number six, prayer and worship. Yo, who remembers the all-night prayer meetings? Some of y'all might have called them lock-ins or shut-ins, whatever. Either way, you got into this space and you was in it all night. What? You let the right hymn or prayer song come up? Search me, oh God. Don't let the mother start singing, search me, oh God. It was a rap. Tears and tongues, okay? 
So years ago when Rue and I, we led a young adult group, we'd have all night prayers and we'd go in and in and in. It was it was powerful. And then afterwards, we'd go to breakfast, continuing the fellowship. Now, obviously, every meeting doesn't turn into an all nighter. Ours did not. Not every one of them. It was periodically. But here's the thing. There's nothing like being in the presence of the saints, lifting holy hands and voices together as one. I literally just described when what happens when we gather for weekly worship services as well. So even with the welcomed presence of digital ministry, it is needed. It is, it is very valuable. Nothing beats being in the same room with the saints all on one accord. Number seven, generosity. Now this one's important. Here's the question. Do you give to others? And are you humble enough to let others give to you? And it's not just money. It's not about finances only because oftentimes wisdom and other resources can mean more than a check ever could. See, generosity is at the heart of our faith. God loved, so he gave. Let us do the same for one another. Fam, I'm not even hitting you with a long conclusion today because this was a jam-packed episode, but we're ending it here knowing that while community may be hard and messy, it provides us with the greatest opportunity, not only to grow ourselves, but to be a part of someone else's process too. What a gift, what a privilege. And even though the age we live in, it constantly preaches selfishness and the deceit of, of doing you and you know all of that, take care of yourself first. Yes, that, that may have its, its points, but we know there is nothing like sharing our lives with people we love. Fully known and fully loved. That is the definition of a satisfied saint. Let's be that for each other. Now, I'm committed to building community here, and I want to know what can I do to get even better? What do you want us to discuss on the show? Do you prefer shorter episodes or longer ones like this one? (laughs) Should we open up and have guests on the show? And if so, who would you like to hear from? What's on your heart? Email me at hello at soulworkwithson.com, and I'll get back to you within the day, no matter what the content or material is. Now sign up for our newsletter because I've finally gotten over myself and it's dropping on Thursday. Now for everyone who signed up, thank you for your patience, okay? And while I'm excited about the content of the newsletter, I'm also rolling my eyes at myself for what took so long. Now look at that. Here I am confessing to my community that uncertainty makes me procrastinate. I pray for you, you pray for me. Cool? Cool. Okay, fam, I'm signing off right here. Remember this. You're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.